You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. Journeying within can be a powerful way to begin or continue to heal and grow. If you'd like to explore opportunities to do this with hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to arrange a free consultation. Or if you're considering microdosing with the ayahuasca vine, please visit ayahuascamicrodosing.com and use the coupon code TALKS to receive a 10% discount on your order. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, I have Shannon Hernandez with me. She is a church minister and facilitator of ayahuasca ceremonies in a tropical forest environment, drawing from her years of experience as a curandera, registered nurse, massage therapist, and business owner and life coach. She assists members of the church in expanding their consciousness, accessing divine information and guidance, and healing themselves spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much, Rebecca. So glad you're joining me today. We've been talking about doing this for so long, and here we are. And here we are. Yeah, (laughs) we've manifested it finally. (laughs) Um, And I think we both agree that Ayahuasca has played such a major role in how we are socially in our world, not without hiccups and challenges. And I think these days we can agree that there are big challenges in this area. And in my experience, what that tells us is that this is the work that needs to be done now. That's why it's flaring up and revealing itself to us, you know? Yeah. Life is a ceremony, right? Yes. So there's a social divide. And I think I think that we've been given the tools to respond well to this and to rise above it. And yeah, I just wanted to start that discussion. You had given me some great talking points. And the first one you mentioned was free will, which is very interesting to me because one of my first dialogues outside of medicine with this presence that began so long ago, but got turned up, the volume got turned up with ayahuasca. (laughs) And then continued Mm. in my life. And one of the big questions I had was about free will, because I've just been a naturally philosophical thinker from an early age. And so I asked about that. I said, so what about free will? You know, and they said, of course, you have free will. You're using it all the time, often against yourself. (laughs) You know, I'm that interesting. (laughs) Yeah, And free will sounds lovely, but it it can be a challenge, right? We have to take some responsibility for what's going on then, right? Absolutely. They go hand in hand. So how do you see that playing out right now in our situation? I think part of what I see from my perspective is with this divide that we're experiencing in our culture is... A lot of us aren't even aware, but we're not allowing um, our loved ones and the people that we come up with, you know, that we interact with in our lives. We're not allowing them full capacity and operating and exercising their own free will. And, and sometimes we aren't even aware in how we're exercising our free will for ourselves. Uh, we're just kind of operating on autopilot from our, our patterns and our conditions and and the things that we're unconscious to that help us to make decisions and, um, and, and choices in our life. So I think that becoming aware of where we exercise our free will for ourselves in a conscious way, as well as 
allowing it's such a key word like allowing and it's something I really hear from ayahuasca a lot is allow <laughs> yeah is allowing our loved ones allowing our women mm-hmm. allowing our friends allowing our co-workers allowing all the people that we interact with on whether a large or a small scale even if it's just a moment or we're spending our life with them allowing them to choose their own free will and their own path and doing so with love doing so with equanimity doing so with peace and understanding um, of these these factors and how beautiful they are because one of the the key things that I see in ayahuasca um, ceremonies when we partake in the sacrament is absolute free will. You know, this medicine, yeah. the sacrament can bring up something and you can be like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to look at that. And they'll say, okay, let's go here. You know, there's absolutely honoring that free will. And it's the same with the divine aspect in our life. You know, if there's something that that we choose or don't want to choose, like we're not forced by the divine to to face anything that we're not ready to face. And I think that that's something that we can emulate both in our own lives and our own choices and with the people that we love and that we interact with on a regular basis. Regardless of our stance, our point of view, our judgments, our opinions, how can we emulate that divine aspect in our own way of being with others in our life? Yeah, all good points. And, and I love how you describe that relationship that we have with the medicine. I mean, this is a very real thing. I think I've learned so much just from that, the responsiveness to where I'm at, and it just continues to reflect back to myself. And the free will aspect of it, you know, I've been learning about this for so long now, and my son taught me a great deal about that and all the conditioning and all the rest of it because it really plays such a big role when you become a parent and there's no handbook. And what you're drawing from is your own experience of being parented, right? And so suddenly all this stuff right. is coming out of you and you're going, oh my God, where's this coming from? I don't, you know, and some of it, I didn't even question. I was just kind of like, it was my only tools. It was the only tools I had, but because of the process that I was going through and because I was learning from this presence, I was realizing and being aware of things I didn't agree with that I was imposing. And I thought, wow, this has been going on for a long time in our history, this imposing. And it's like there's a fear of being allowed to do anything, you know, it's like we don't trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. And of Mm -hmm. course, the medicine, as you all know, (laughs) that's a constant thing, trust yourself, trust yourself. And I think that a lot of it, because of this programming and because of our history, let's call it our history, because it's shared history, right? We've been afraid of trusting ourselves. And it makes us un- untrusting of others and, and, and all the rest of it. And then we start to play these games that are all about those underlying themes that we're not ready to look at. But ayahuasca is so brilliant at helping us do that, helping us see what's really going on there, you know. And and these these things yeah. are what we really yeah. do want. We, we don't even know it. We go there. It's like, oh, my God. I'm, we go in, into the medicines like, I've had yeah. this going on. I get that going on. And we don't realize that underneath all of that, really is this is these fundamental issues yeah i think another another layer of that is 
in in the world of free will, like when we are in ceremony and something is brought to our awareness, you know, the ayahuasca doesn't bring things to our awareness that we're not ready to deal with, that we're not ready to face, that we're not ready to be confronted with or to make some kind of transformational uh, expansion in that realm. And I think that also translates into the, the broader culture right now that whatever is happening with this division or this polarity or how whatever language we want to assign to it, we're ready. We're ready for it. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's happening for a reason. And just lean into it. And it's one of the things that we coach people in ceremony. If you are confronted by something um, and it seems scary or it's uncomfortable, lean into it, face it, allow yourself to have that experience fully. And it's the same thing in ceremony. Like I said, life is a ceremony and we can trust this divine process to bring us where we need to be and we can trust whatever this this division is um, in our lives just trust it and lean into it and and use the tools um, that we that we have to get through it with love and equanimity and allowing others their free will and their and their choices so yeah and this leads um, well into fear and how that that transpires in our lives and um, again, I mean, I can't help but go back to the parenting paradigm because in that things are obvious, you know, they're not hidden. I had to recognize that so many of the ways in which I was parented and so many others, like I'm not alone, my parents were not <laughs> unusual. It's this carrot and stick thing. And I mean, no stick, not violent or anything like that, but you don't get this unless you do that. And it's all such game playing. It's not a respectful way to be with one another. Be afraid of this so that you will do that, you know, right. that kind of control. So yeah, if that's what we're putting out into the world, that's what we're going to get back. And these are mechanisms of control we're introduced to them at such an early age. So it does take some awareness and work to recognize that. It does. Learning where where are we controlling in our life is is a many faceted journey. Um, and it's also something that Ayahuasca has been working on with me over the last few years is seeing just how controlling I am. And I used to think, oh, so-and-so is a control freak. And never <laughs> did I turn that mirror back on myself. <laughs> and she's like, you're a control freak. I'm like, what? No, not me. I'm pretty laid back. I'm pretty easy going. I like everybody. She's like, yeah, how about this, 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 and this? I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah. And then having to face where am I controlling others? Where am I not allowing others to be themselves, to find their own flow, to, to find their own divine path? Um, and it's just such a, a myriad of ways that we all control. Um, we try to, we even try to control the divine flow. And if we just take the time, it takes time, you know, we got to sit down and really devote some time to really examine this tendency in all of us um, that we share and gently let go of each aspect of this illusion of control systematically one by one and open up to this realm of possibility because when we're not in a state of control we can actually transcend into a, a divine realm of possibility where the divine operates and then we're, we're open to the infinite beauty and blessing that flows from this field of possibility yeah allowing others to just be and then teaching ourselves yeah. to just be i think it always goes both ways right it's like okay mm -hmm. 
if we're uh and that control thing, by the way, that can be so sneaky. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I'm this laid back person too, and all the rest of it. And it's like the mechanisms that come into play, I've noticed, uh, happen in sneaky ways. Like other people can be very overt about it. And it's so obvious. And yeah. But, you know, with me, that with, there was more entanglement, and I had to really sort of and that and it took some time and it was good it was good it was a deep dive but yeah and this control too is it's all out of fear right I mean what would happen if we don't you know and we see that as responsibility too so this is another thing that comes up (laughs) and actually um my last guest it was really good because he talked about responsibility in that it's how we respond so you can break down words too and and start to investigate you know where this where this meaning behind this word comes from and it's you know when you look at responsibility as part of how we respond to things then it becomes less of a heavy notion and more full of possibilities you can respond all kinds of ways whereas the idea right. of responsibility given our programming, given our history, there's a heaviness to it. And even, you know, sometimes an implied heavy handedness to it, right? It's like, oh, there's there's one stream of what that means. And it's like, no, well, you know, again, we've learned through these experiences, we're all so unique. And if we honor that, then our responses will be different given who we are and where we're at, you know, But the underlying theme of it all is this openness and accepting, you know, and loving. And it's not the heavy handed responsibility idea that that I've been familiar with in my past. And I think many others. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. I, I love that. And when we don't respond or have a response, then we're basically abdicating responsibility. It makes makes total sense. And I think that like letting letting go and allowing others really facilitates a true connection with others. It's only possible when we're in the presence of acceptance and love. And when we aren't practicing acceptance and love with the key people in our lives, they feel it. They know it, even if it's not something that's spoken and we effectively are disconnecting from them. And I think that's the last thing that any of us any of us wants is to to feel that disconnect or to not have someone respond, you know, to, to a situation or to us and to, and be responsible. Yeah. It's, it's good what you mentioned that, you know, people know it. I mean, we're not really getting away with anything. (laughs) That was something that I learned early on. Sometimes we don't even realize we're being inauthentic or, or not being responsible or we're controlling or not being real with people, but it's, People know, even if it's not conscious, they feel it on a subtle cellular level. Like it's, it's pretty easy to spot when, you know, like the most basic example is, Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Okay. Clearly (laughs) that person's not doing good. Yeah. But like, we, we, we know when people are doing, being real with us and when we're feeling loved and accepted or when we're being judged or people trying to control us, you know, and it, it, it creates a divide. It creates the divide or it, it spans the divide, you know, if we're feeling loved and accepted, it doesn't matter what our choices are, what our, what our preferences or judgments or, or any of these things that can be polarizing topics. We feel loved and accepted. We feel like we're able to be free to be who we are 
if we feel loved and, and accepted and not not controlled in that way. And and I think that's harkening back to what you mentioned. It's really what is needed to help um, span this division and, and polarity. Yeah. It's funny, I had a ceremony in 2018 and it was preparing me for this. And I actually just put it up on my website. It was about some of these themes that are now rising and confronting us. And one of them had to do with the fact that it's important for us to accept that everybody has their own reality. And some of us may have a shared reality and that's okay. But if we really want to talk seriously about peace and really want to understand what it's like to to live in harmony, we have to accept this or not. But, you know, our reality will reflect that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, we don't have to accept it, but then uh, we're excluding ourselves from the peace that's possible in allowing a shared reality. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of a lot of your listeners heard of the example of the coffee mug, you know, and it might have a, a logo on one side of it. And one person might say, oh, I see this logo. And the person on the opposite side is like, I don't see any logo, you know, you know, or the, the handle is facing to the left. No, the handle is facing to the right to me. Um, it's it's we are we are the divine experiencing itself through, you know, trillions of eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of these perceptions and perspectives are valid. They are all valid and they're all true. Yes. I remember coming through so many things and looking back and going, wow, I was just not there. I was actually not there last year. And now I'm in the position to understand this and be here in this reality. Last year, that was not so. And, you know, someone could jump up and down and rant and rave about it. It was just where I was at and what was happening. You know, and I don't think it would have helped anybody, including myself, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of one of my best friends, you know, she when I ask her for advice, she's like, if you don't know what to do, just hold tight, don't do anything, you know, lest you say or do something that you regret later. And then I think it's it's important to be able to have pause when we're not clear, and just give yourself pause to to kind of go through these spaces and become really clear on where you're at and hopefully that that lands us in a place of love and acceptance and and personal responsibility. Yeah, and that's going to mean something different for each person. I remember at the beginning when I first had this voice ever present with me in my daily life, which was quite interesting, and educating me about where I was at and about what was going through my mind and how unhealthy that was. And a great deal of it had to do with how often I was thinking about other people. What are they doing? Why are they doing that? Da, 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 you know, and it's like, you can't keep living like this. You can't keep living for what other people are or are not doing. Imaginary conversation we have with people. Yes. And this was big with me because later on, years later, when I was ready, I would learn about this empathic nature and that it can be really unhealthy, even when it's loving, even when I'm going, oh, this poor person. And, you know, let's let's and and I would, without even realizing it, go in and reach out to them in my mind. And I didn't get that that was like not a cool thing to do. Um, And it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't there was no ill intentions. It was just a constantly draining thing that I was doing and it was not helping because again, I can't take responsibility for other people. Right. So, right. and I was like draining myself. 
but then there's this this general social i mean look at what we spend so much of our time doing you know what are the stars doing what are they it's like there's so much distraction out there that leads us away from doing the most important thing we can do to improve our lives and make ourselves happier is to really figure out who we are where we're at to improve that and becoming <laughs> obsessed with these outer things is not going to lead us there you know yeah it's it's the that external focus and I think again, like we're looking at this this social and cultural divide, this polarity. Um, and this isn't any, any kind of new teaching, but we we can't affect the external or the outside until we look at our inside. You know, what's what's going on? Where where am I? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Oh, does how does that affect the world around me? How does it affect people around me? How does it affect my being, my heart rate, my physical body? I think we have to begin within. We have to begin inside and becoming aware of of ourselves, of our thoughts, of our feelings, of our own state of being moment by moment because it's constantly changing. And then we can begin to, to make a difference on the outside as we begin to bring more clarity and clearing and healing and, and cleaning that inside so that we can create a state of translucence, a state of transparency, a state of openness and, and vulnerability um, and just a pure state of being. If you're thinking about every, everybody else and everything else and filled with fear or concern or control, um, pure, pure being is is pure. It doesn't originate in the mind. It originates in in the body and the heart. Yeah, I mean, such good stuff there. Like, um, <laughs> it's a good test to see what you're taking in, whether it's good for you to to start to become aware of how you're responding to it. It's amazing how often we can subject ourselves to things <laughs> that really, <laughs> you know, affect us so in such a discordant bad way internally and we just keep going for it because at a habit or whatever right but if you take the time as you say and pause and become aware of how you're really reacting you know is your stomach starting to churn you know are you feeling your body tense that is telling you something and when we do yeah and when we do change that inner environment when we do actually go in and do that work you know and that can be done not only with medicines, but there are so many tools out there. Many paths and, to the top of the mountain. Yeah, and again, we're all so unique. So we'll find the right tool. When you have that, when you make that decision, when you say, okay, this is that important and I'm ready, believe me, the tools will come. <laughs> They'll make themselves available to you, no problem. And when you do that, you will see that your external environment changes. You know, maybe not in ways you expect, but certainly in ways that support you which is brilliant, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so beautiful and almost magical to see how when we do put that time and effort into our inner state of being, maybe the outside world doesn't change so much, but it changes ever so subtly and our our perspective of it changes, but our experience of it expands. It expands and we see it not through one lens, but maybe through the other person's lens, through that other perspective, which is valid. Yes. And that's important. Um, and it's going to be different for all of us. But yes, our experience of reality changes and seeing things from other people's perspective. That's actually what I had to dial back. <laughs> that's what I did too, too much, you know, to the point where I got lost. But, you know, there are other people who would benefit from improving that. 
And we're all so unique. We really are. And that's why it's oh so important for us to respect that everybody's going to heal in their own way. And they do have that inner wisdom if they're checking in with it. If they're checking in with themselves, they're going to find what they need for themselves. And it's going to be very special and unique to them. Very customized. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the check-in makes it much a much easier, more comfortable, simple process. Um, if we fail to check in, then we kind of get the cast iron skillet upside the head. You know, maybe we have a car accident or something more dramatic happens in our life. It's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's just part of one of the beauties of life is we're we're constantly being directed um, to be present. And, and to feel what we're feeling and to be aware of what, what we're experiencing and what's going around and to just be a part of this life in as full a way as we possibly can. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God. You know, you're bringing back some memories for me now. I remember when I started the radio show, the podcast started as that. It morphed into this. And um, back then I was just doing straight up interviews of people who had their ayahuasca experiences and were willing to share them. And so many people talked about how accidents brought them to like, I mean, it was, it was amazing how many stories like that I heard. I had a car accident. I had a car accident. I had this big accident, you know, and, and it was like, wow. I mean, you know, and now what you're saying, it's just reminding me of how, how we um, talked about that a lot back then. And, and this is the wisdom of the experience of the ceremony that we live in every day, telling us, getting our attention in some way. Yeah, or the divorce or the health crisis. I mean, for so many of us, it can be any myriad of really difficult, challenging, frustrating experiences. But it doesn't have to be that way, like you said, if we just take the time to go in and look at our own look at our own stuff. What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is my 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 way of being in this situation am i am i controlling am i operating from fear am i allowing others am i in a state of acceptance or am i in a state of judgment if we can just be present to these things then the whole way we approach life and our relationships and it affects everything it affects our health it affects our our intimate relationships it affects our presence while we're driving uh, it, it affects so much yeah absolutely and you know i mean <laughs> no matter how much work we do there may be a whole new myriad of things that are going to also get our attention because we're ready for that kind of lesson you know and exactly. getting back to this experience that we're having that we're all sharing of this polarization I mean I think that we've seen this coming for a long long time um, and I think deep inside we know that there's a lot of work to be done for us to uh, to move towards a more harmonious society and sometimes just like the car accident the signal to do that has to be this dramatic here's how badly it's not working <laughs> you know? uh-huh. so yeah. this is the opportunity absolutely the, the sooner we pay attention and the sooner we're present to to all of our surroundings as much as we can be the the easier it is to navigate yeah, we learn all these beautiful lessons. They're amazing. We apply them to our lives. 
we see the results, we continue that work. And then sometimes these huge challenges present themselves to us. And this is the time to remember, you know, this is the time to pull out all of those new tools that we're given because we're going to need them. Exactly. It's just, it's a game, you know, and it's, it's like the universe, uh, the divine equips us with this toolbox and says, all right, your objective is to get to this point. Use your toolbox. Oh, you've learned how to use a hammer. Okay. Now let me give you a scenario how to really learn how to use a hammer. Can you use that hammer now? And if, if we approach it with a lighter heart, um, it's, it's not so difficult. It's not so, so challenging. Um, when these bigger opportunities to learn and to integrate what we've what we've become aware of in the past and our experiences, and then we become masterful. And when we become masterful, then then we really have the power to create. And I think that's one of the things that this this polarity, this division in our culture, is giving us the opportunity is to use the tools. Um, that we've learned and to integrate it in such a way that we can become masterful and create our world. We can create a new culture. We can create what we want to see in the world by masterfully using the tools and the understanding that we've, we've gleaned so far. Yes, absolutely. And it's going to be different tools for different people. Everybody's going to learn something. Absolutely, yeah out of this yeah right and and you know what it is especially if you've worked with the medicine or done this inner work you know uh what areas that you've needed to work on and now it's time to shine now it's time to um to celebrate the things that you've learned about what you can do and apply it and it's easy to get off that path and there are also there's so many options out there what we focus on and we we do have free will in that. We can choose what we focus on. That's what we can choose. And that's what we give power to. Absolutely. I think one of the things that um, sometimes unconsciously sways which tools we use or what we, what we choose as far as our free will is the areas of our subconscious that we still harbor fear. And fear can show up related to to anything but i think all of us still harbor or have some aspects of fear within our being that we're not aware of and when we can become aware of them whether it's our own fear of dying or fear of losing a loved one fear of losing a job uh, fear of being controlled fear of loss of liberty loss of freedom fear of long-term health sequelae uh, so on. When we become aware of these these fears, then we can truly come from this this space of real free will because we're we're aware of the the things that are operating within our subconscious, and we can transcend that physical reality when we're not so attached to that physical reality. We have a broader view. We can release these attachments to the physical, to people, to survival, to money. And we can embody a, a true state of being, an expanded state of awareness, and ultimately expand our power to create to create that reality. But we can't create that reality until we're aware of what's happening in our subconscious, which oftentimes is fear running running the show in an unconscious way. Yes, talk about control. We're being controlled by fear if we allow it. 
And mm -hmm. <laughs> so allowing can go a couple of ways, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> but allowing ourselves to really explore that is good. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, I'm not saying, okay, just pretend you're not fearful. Sure, we can find ourselves in those states. So then it's time to pause. Is this a state that's going to bring me into where I want to go, into a state of peace, abundance, and all of these things that people people's goals are that, that people really want uh, all being in a harmonious state um, being in a state of peace this is not going to happen when fear is is driving everything so then it's time to look in there and see you know what is driving that fear and you know rule out all the external stuff because again this is not what we have control over but we do have control of how we respond so that's yeah, where we really yeah, have yeah. to do that work and it's like are we going to be controlled like that or are we going to decide for ourselves and respond in a way that really serves us well yeah absolutely and not only serves us but serves the world around us because when we transform the world transforms when we when we heal those fragmented aspects of ourself then the world becomes more integrated and, and unified absolutely again it comes back to that being the change it's so easy to point at everybody else and it's easy to take the position i can only be well when all of those people start behaving themselves <laughs> but i mean good luck with that right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's like trying to drive your car in reverse down the highway. This is the, the what we're sold a lot, and it's like, well, let's look at how well that's worked out. <laughs> you know, I mean, not really. It doesn't lead down good roads, right? No, no, and it, there's so many, um, so many health effects related to operating from fear. And I and I think it's it's one of those. It's just fear is such a huge topic that we really could benefit by spending a little bit of time every day really inquiring within ourselves of what are we what are we afraid of how are we allowing fear to to control us or to operate in our lives where are we not speaking our, our truth with people because we're afraid of their reaction like it, it can just really show up in so many different ways absolutely and you know when you're coming from that state that sends out a signal and elicits a certain response, and this is what's creating so much conflict. And how we address it, again, may be very different from person to person. Like, sometimes going into that fear is not the best choice. Sometimes you have to start to go, okay, where are you experiencing love in your life? And then move into that. And then from that position, you can see a little more clearly all about the other stuff. Love does not necessarily mean, you know, lay down and let people trample you. Oh, my God, how many lessons have I had on this from ayahuasca in such a loving way? Right. Well, that love includes self-love, which absolutely does not look like that. Yeah. And it has to start from there. And I think, you know, I remember <laughs> um, there's various different social movements and stages of, you know, what was deemed to be the women's liberation movement and all the rest of it. And I remember in the 80s, it, there was this experience that I had of women, um, you know, the, the whole saucy, get them back kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, okay, I don't know. That doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel like we're actually making any progress here. With, and it was a backlash, you know, and I think that we can be, caught up in those those backlashes so there's a way to acknowledge in a loving way that 
you know, okay, this is this is what's happened before, and and you know maybe I have been trampled on. How do I respond, you know, in a way that's both you know self-loving, self-respecting, and that radiating outwards, you know, being respecting of others and loving of others too, and being okay with being direct and open with how you're feeling. About yeah, I think that is absolutely a, a key piece of free will is that we all get to exercise free will. And yeah. in the in the exercising of that, um, I think that there is a way to compassionately and lovingly uh, set expectations. And, and then therefore, with the expectation comes the boundary. And I'm not saying that we have attachments with the expectation, but I'm saying that in loving ourselves, we get to determine what what um, energies and what ways of treatment we will accept and what works for us, what doesn't work for us, and to set the expectation that I I will welcome this type of treatment or I don't welcome this type of treatment and then creating boundaries that hold hold firm to our expectation of, of self-love and while loving others and expressing these boundaries with a, in a compassionate, loving way. I think how it's how it's expressed and the energy that comes through in in that expression is paramount. We are going to have a different way of what free will looks like for each of us, and it's all okay. And how can we have an expectation of allowing acceptance and understanding um, and, and being okay with the people that, that we're around and that we love and also honoring our own selves and honoring what what we need to feel healthy and supported moment by moment. Exactly. We do have to disentangle a lot of what we've learned culturally and socially about about this because we do not learn about self-love in school. We don't often even learn it from families who have suffered so much for so long ancestrally, you know, and we are the ones that are that are turning the tide. And here's a good opportunity for us to do that. And being loving and compassionate can be done in ways that are completely respectful of self and others. It doesn't mean that you cave and say, okay, I'll do whatever you want. That is not love. You know, that, no. that when I do that, if we did that with every child, just think about that. <laughs> we let them get away with all this stuff. <laughs> And see clearly, it's like this is not serving them. I know it's not. Yeah, it's enabling codependent addictive behaviors, and then we're creating codependence and addicts. And no, and I think that that's something that we all could benefit from is taking taking some time to really consider what is what does self love look like to me? What is it? What does it feel like to? And you know, where do I need to? Um, recognize my codependent behaviors or my lack of boundaries and how can I show others including my children things that I didn't learn growing up that it's okay to have boundaries that it's okay to ask for what you need it's okay to ask for help it's okay to tell other people um, how they can treat us and we teach people how they can treat us based on what we allow and and how we treat them yeah for my son I have to you know um, pause <laughs> and take time which is great now we have that time and it's lovely and I sit down and we talk we talk it out and he tells me how he feels and that's so good because you know um, many of us have been unhappy with the fact that a lot of men 
in our lives, didn't know how to express themselves, didn't do it in, in our relationships. Well, you know, here's an opportunity to cultivate that in my relationship with my son, and he will be a man who does that. You know, this is the way we are the change. This is the way we demonstrate that in our lives rather than saying, everybody else has to do this. You know, it's like, okay, here's my opportunity to do that in my life with somebody else, you know, and and inspire it in him and invite him, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the, it reminds me of one of the things that my daughter loves about um, about her relationship with, with me and her stepdad is that we welcome her opinion. We welcome her to tell us how she feels and we welcome that reflection. Hey, you know, okay, you are absolutely right. I've been an absolute jerk or um, I did not see that you needed this and or I see that maybe communicating this um, in this way with somebody else. I mean, we ask her for advice. We, we want her opinion because she, you know, she's 17 now, but she, she is youthful and she has less of these, these constructs that are limiting these limiting beliefs. And whether we choose to take her advice or not is, is, you know, it's kind of irrelevant, but in the point of allowing her to express herself, um, and, and to give us her feedback and to tell us what she sees because her view is valuable, her opinion matters. And I think that's something that a lot of parents unconsciously don't allow their kids to have input, to have say, hey, you know, uh, maybe if you did such and such with my little brother in a different way, he might respond differently. A lot of parents are like, you're not the parent, I'm the parent, you know, and they just squash that voice and really allowing our, our kids to be a mirror to us, which is, I think, one of the reasons why we have kids, whether we know it or not, is to, to see um, the the effect that we have on them and the possibilities and the potentials that we that they hold that we can foster versus squashing. Absolutely. Yeah. Here's your chance to do it differently and to explore what that's really like. And, you know, this is something else that we're seeing out in the world is just the shutting down and fear does that. And with kids, um, it has been routinely part of the whole parenting, you know, paradigm. And now we're changing that. And so what we're doing is we're bringing up children and people in this world who have a different reality. They have a different way of operating in the world and this is literally changing the world and we can learn so much from them we really can and yeah having a voice is an important part of being in this world it doesn't mean we're all gonna you know agree with everybody we have to learn to be okay with the fact that we're we're diverse and our opinions will be diverse and even our realities will be diverse and we start this way I mean this was not the world that I grew up in I, I was certainly shut down a great deal to the point where I just didn't bother anymore because it wasn't safe. But that doesn't mean we have to repeat all the stuff and we don't have to carry it with us anymore if we don't want to. Exactly. And like you mentioned with the, the varying realities, I think that as we allow our kids to express their reality and to to live in their own reality, if we are more allowing and open and accepting and loving of wherever it is that they're at, we literally expand possibility and we all live in a world of possibility, but how many of us close off or, or squash what's possible? 
oh, I can't do that because this, this, and this. Where did that come from? Where did that, where did that story come from? Um, and when we allow our, our children to expand in the world of possibility, we are creating in that moment a world where it's possible that we can all be connected. We can all be accepting. We can bridge this, this divide. We can span this cultural polarity and really experience each other from a state of unity, of, of unity consciousness, of love, of acceptance, of diversity, of individualism, of equanimity. And it does start with our children and the ways that we treat the people around us. It starts in, in looking at ourselves. It's a multifaceted experience. Um, but our, our kids are absolutely a big part of that because they are going to perpetuate these constructs or lack of constructs, this ability to allow and to not control and to not live from a state of fear and in being able to express themselves in a healthy and compassionate way. It, it just creates the possibilities that we all want to see. We all want to live in a world of of peace and love, right? Like not to sound like a hippie or anything, but I think that's what we all hopefully like in our heart crave is, is peace and love and unity and compassion. And it, it begins in living in the world of that possibility. And in doing that, we have to allow other people, especially our kids to have the full range of experience. Yeah. You know, um, I do want to, something you said really brought something up in me. So, um, and it has to do with labels. So things that work against this, this accepting of this genuine understanding of what diversity really means and allowing us our individuality. And that is true, true freedom. That is, that is the real deal, right? <laughs> it's being okay with all of that, you know, and not feeling threatened by it and being and, and fearing it, you know, um, even in ourselves, because this is where, this is the driver, right? But labels are so important and we give them to ourselves and we give them to others. And I, I actually, I enjoy the hippie label sometimes just because there's so much fun you can have with it. But I also see that it was developed, you know, that it can be used in, in ways that are, are unhelpful um, in that. And I, I don't get offended and I'm not going to get all PC on anybody because that's not helpful either. We got to really understand you know, where all this is coming from. But um, we can really diminish people by using labels. I remember in, in part of our growth, a lot of people have discovered that they have someone in their life who may have these tendencies that are regarded as narcissistic. But then when you label somebody a, a narcissist, you're saying this is all they are. And that's never true. I, I don't think that could possibly be true. We are human. We are all kinds of things. And I think that we will benefit a great deal from resisting using those labels in a serious way. So think about this, even though, you know, feel free, we'll have fun with the hippie label because I, I do love it. I use it, you know, in playful, fun ways. But it was also used as, like, don't take it seriously, you know, can't be trusted, on drugs, you know, all of those things. Like, And then there was some positive, depending on who you are, right? But right. now we're, we're getting into this area, part of this social divide. There's going to be labels. And even, you know, politics was all about that. You know, you so identify with a label that it's possible to lose your humanity. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the label, if I think about like when you mentioned narcissistic, um, I, I really ha, uh, struggled with that quality, that that characteristic in in people until I realized that it comes from trauma. You know, and, and when the when I when we recognize that some of these labels come from trauma or from fear, um, then we can really step back into that place of compassion. And yeah. I think that labels can be divisive, which is why I it kind of was like, you know, peace and love. I didn't want to sound like, you know, in a derogatory sense, like a hippie. But I think like really in that that quality of inner peace of just feeling peaceful. And yes. having real love, you know, coursing through our veins is such a powerful, powerful experience. And regardless of the label, and yeah, some people can identify with that in a positive way, you know, as a hippie, and some people can identify in a, in a negative way. But I think anytime we we identify with these labels in a negative way, whether it's politics or a psychological diagnosis, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, whatever it is, you're you're this or you're that or you're hippie or you're left or you're right. A lot of it comes from trauma and from yes. fear of not understanding another person's perspective, of not mm-hmm. understanding another person's experience, their upbringing, their, 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 their hurt, you know, the pain that they're, that they're experiencing or their lack of control. I think a lot of the reason why the, the, the label hippie became so derogatory is because they they couldn't be controlled. And so let's create this culture of ostracization um, through this single word, you know, kind of an old word, but we still see it even in our in our culture today. It's conservative, you know, it's on all on all ends of the spectrum and it's based uh-huh. on fear and trauma. Yeah, look how long that lasted. <laughs> that, that label. But I mean, again, I I love it. Like people, you know, lovingly have called me a hippie or even jokingly, and I, I feel as a compliment. But um I I just the reason why I, I use that is because that's what kind of um peaked in my mind of oh yeah, let's talk about labels because it's so important and it is becoming a big part of this division now, right? But again, it's a big opportunity for us to learn about all this stuff, you know, even if it's a positive one, you know, um even if it's a positive label, are we going to really allow these things to define us so completely? You know what I mean? Uh, there are many people who experience ayahuasca and they could come up with a label about that. But that doesn't mean every individual who has done that is the same or holds the same values. Like we are all so unique. And that is something, you know, if we're really going to live in a loving state, this is something uh, that's important for us to accept and even, you know, start to experience in a way that can be so freeing for all of us. Yeah, labels are just, um, they're, they're, they confine us. It just creates a limitation. It does, not, it does not elaborate or expand on who I am in my heart. And when, when we have these labels, we limit that, that field of possibility that we all want to operate from, that, that like state of being, that divine state of being. And maybe I'm getting a little more etheric here, but I do think that labels are very confining it might it might feel like a requirement to be able to communicate about a thing or a person or an experience, but I I encourage 
all of us to begin to look at ways that we can communicate about these things without attaching a label. Yeah. And I mean, I don't recommend the whole approach of, you know, these elaborate rules of what we can and can't call people. Um, I just think that there's there's an awareness that's important because um, there can be a tendency to eliminate the humanity or the, the, the true spirit of any being by using labels. And again, let's go back to the whole underlying truth of, of the matter. We can tell, we can feel it when it's used in a, a nice way and not a nice way. There are people who called me happy and I loved it. And I know that they're, it's a loving, fun, you know, even jabbing sometimes way, you know, just like giving me a little ribbing, sorry. Um, and it's, it's fine. It's fun. I, I can tell the nature of how it's being used because I can feel it and we can all feel that. And again, this is why this, you know, the ultimate is going in and saying, where is this coming from? Right. And what does it feel like? Yeah. So many of us are not in touch with our feelings moment to moment. And that's, that can be very illuminating for all of us. Yeah. So uh, this label of narcissism, again, as you know, it, it's going around. That person is a narcissist. And of course, uh, you know, I had a personal experience around this. I had to come to terms with somebody close in my life um, that had, you know, those tendencies that was operating from that place for so, so long. And I had to uh, come to peace with, you know, not being, not participating in that. But then when I heard other people regard uh, that person in that way, with that label, I thought that's not all that person is. There's so much about that person that has nothing to do with that. I know that. And even though, as you say, there's these circumstances of our history that's always there, that always contributes to these things, and that's good to have that perspective. And, and it may be that that fear and trauma was building up to the point where that person allowed that to dominate their experience and impact others in that way. It's never all that person is. It never is, you know, I mean. Absolutely. Even when we come to the point where we recognize that people have and are doing some really not great things, um, if we continue to invest in this whole punishment and shaming uh, practice, it's not going to move us forward. It hasn't. We see that. You know, we can actually learn from history if we look at it from that standpoint. It's like, okay, well, we've been doing this all along. Now we're getting any better, right? <laughs> continuing that practice it doesn't invite anybody to open up to change we just yes. perpetuate the trauma we perpetuate the hurt that causes that behavior all of us have the capacity and the need to be narcissistic it doesn't mean that we are a narcissist we may have a tendency or be somewhere on that spectrum but like you said it's not who we are we are so much more we are an embodiment of of the divine in this human form, you know, fumbling and bumbling our way around this, this earth plane. We're just so much more than any label that we can put on ourselves or on others. And, and that's something the medicines are so good at allowing us to experience and to know. And we've got to remember that knowing when we are facing these challenges that are triggering something in us for a reason. The something in us that is being triggered needs our attention. That's the natural mechanism through which we are signaled that there's an opportunity for us to heal something. You know, it's never about the other person. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where our culture is at, is, is facing this, this division, this polarity. Is we have the opportunity, and we are. We are healing. We are healing this by, yeah. by moving through it um, little by little, one by one. Uh, I don't believe that this polarity and this division will be eternal. We'll work through it and we're learning and we are growing as a, as a humanity, as a species, physically and spiritually um, by by embracing and by learning these lessons. Yeah. And what's really happening is something you sense within and that's where we can make change. And don't count on the outside experience to be a measure of what's possible. Ooh, that was a good lesson that came out of my last ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> a couple of messages, actually, so appropriate for right now. Um, don't don't root around in your past to discover your future. There we go. We got a bell to just to confirm that that's important. <laughs> and then the other one was. Uh, what was the other one? The, oh, the other one was all about this, all about how there's just no denying it anymore. Um, how we are with one another is the problem. You know, it's not all the things that we are thinking that are an issue in our world. It's this underlying fact that we that there's so much discord and it's causing all of those other things. If we are at peace with ourselves and with one another, none of this other stuff would be happening. Yeah, and she called it the farting elephant in the room. (laughs) (laughs) We've all gotten so used to that bad smell, you know, and we're like wincing and all the rest of it, but this is our daily, you know, way of being, and we've got to change it. We've got to say, hey, look, you know, I can't stand the smell anymore. we got to do something differently and, and acknowledge that this is something to be worked on, that this is a real problem in society. Right. And it all comes back to how we're being because we're not human doings. We're not human sayings. Being is, is where it's at. And people feel that. And, and we have to be aware of how we're being. And I think part of that is just this state of presence and consciousness. And one of the ways that I have integrated this awareness into my life is I have an alarm that goes off on my phone every hour. And it's, you know, it's just a, a singing bowl you know, recorded in a ceremony. It's just something gentle and light and nothing too alarming, but it's my check-in. And it's like, how am I feeling? What do I feel right now? Because we get so wrapped up in our, in our day-to-day routine that we just go through it. We don't even realize that we have anxiety or we have stress that we're experiencing, or even that we're happy or that we feel peaceful. And so it's how, how am I feeling? How am I being? physically am i slouching am i standing up straight am i being connected am i being disconnected from the people around me and just to check in you know how am i being how am i feeling what am i present to right now what do i hear do i hear the birds do i hear the air conditioning you know what what is going on in the world around me just just a check-in presence being aware and That's then we beautiful. can move forward from there that's so beautiful. I love that. Um, my version is this voice that <laughs> kicks in and says surrender or um, it's okay, you know, something to kind of take me down from if I'm starting to develop anxiety or whatever. It makes me aware of what's going on. But yeah, it's going to be different for everybody. And we can, you know, as you have done, 
you know, being a, the devotee that you are <laughs> to this work, we can all find ways to prioritize that, to make that happen in our lives. We're that powerful. Yeah, becoming really in the driver's seat. Yeah, and that is power. And we have a lot of it. We just got to use it in ways that serve us well. Exactly. Okay, on that note, uh, I think it's time to uh, to let people know uh, if you'd like to. Would you like to direct people to a website or a way to get in contact with you? Sure, they can reach me uh either through our website which is greatspiritfarm.org and on our website we have you know we do personal coaching we have some different plant tinctures that we make from the the property that we that we have out here on our church some of those tinctures help with depression anxiety uh, help stabilize mood they can be good for you know supporting the respiratory and the immune system so we have a variety of different plant medicines that we offer on our website so one more question that was just prompted by by this is um, you had a book project underway. What's going on with that? Is that out now? I'd love to share about that. So uh, one of our participants last year, um, it was kind of fun the way that it came to light. I, I was in my own personal ceremony and I kept seeing this girl's face and I and she just kept popping up in a vision. And I was like, all right, why am I seeing her face? And she said, pay attention. She's going to have a project to work on with you and I was like okay and then sure enough like the next month she came to one of our retreats and I didn't say anything to her about it I just try to let things happen organically and if it's if it really is um, ayahuasca speaking then she will she will make that happen without any input from me and so we were we were doing some coaching in in this three-day retreat and she says hey I, I want to create a book with you and I'm getting this message from ayahuasca that we need to make a book together and so we've, we've begun this book, and it's an anthology, and the title is Anonymous Awakenings with Ayahuasca. And so um, we're collecting stories. They're all anonymous. And being that they're anonymous, people have the, the freedom and, and the capacity to be vulnerable. And this is not a collection of trip reports. Nothing wrong with the trip report. I think they're very interesting and fun to read, but there's so many of them already out there. But this is more of an anthology of awakening of where we've experienced um, notable transformation in our life. Uh, for, you know, for example, maybe we used to be a big, a big pothead and, you know, and use that, that beautiful medicine of cannabis in an irresponsible and abusive way, or, and now, now we're clean, or maybe we were a workaholic and now we're not, or maybe we recognized that we had sexual trauma and we've healed that and now we can have a healthy relationship or there's like just so many, it's infinite the different ways that we see ayahuasca working and showing up in people's lives to create beauty and love and connection and healthy, healthy relationships. And so we're collecting stories. It can be uh, a story as long or as short as you want. It can be poetry. It can be prose. It can be haiku. It can be artwork, whether it's sketching, a drawing, painting, um, pretty much anything that you can put in a book. And we envision this being more like a, a coffee table type book or a book that people can share with with others, whether they have drank ayahuasca or not. I think that just in reading these stories of transformation and awakening that people have experienced, we don't necessarily have to drink the medicine to learn from someone else's experience vicariously and to integrate and implement the lessons and things that people are receiving through ceremony. To bring the wisdom and the knowledge of ayahuasca to the masses without people having to drink the medicine. 
and even if we have drank the medicine, we can still learn from other people's experiences. So, yeah, um, the book is not quite not quite done. Um, we're still collecting stories, and I'm beginning to put them together and edit them. And it's been about a year and a half in the making, and uh, we've been perpetually extending the deadline because. Initially, I was like, all right, we're going to have this done by July of last year. And and then I just realized that I'm trying to put a time limit on ayahuasca, and you just can't do that with a divine. So I'm just going with the flow no. now, and more and more stories are coming forward. And um, it's been a beautiful process. And so when when we received the message that, okay, we've, we've got enough, this is it, close the book, so to say, and, and print the book, then it will be out there and available for everyone. So again, the title is going to be Anonymous Awakenings with Ayahuasca. And I'd say we're about 75% there. So would love to have your story or anybody who's listening story of how they've made a transformation or woken up or what they've learned from ayahuasca and something that can be um, transferable to other people. Beautiful. And where can they send this to your email? Can you give it again? Yeah, they can send it to Shannon at greatspiritfarm.org. It's Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, at greatspiritfarm.org. Beautiful. That's great. I'm, I'm glad you got to cover that and that that's still underway. It's a beautiful project. Absolutely, people can learn from all the stories and, and all the sharing that everybody's done. People contact me lots about the podcast and say exactly that, you know. And I always say the medicine is not necessarily for everybody, but, you know, what we learn from it, I'm sure that there's something for everybody there, you know, potentially. Thanks again for joining me. I enjoyed this so much. I feel like we could go on forever, but uh, we do have to cut it off today, but we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Rebecca. Many blessings to you and many blessings to everyone who's listening. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Please visit RebeccaHayden.com for more ayahuasca integration content and for information about working with me and using hypnosis as an empowering integration tool.